0: Well, happy Father's Day. For those of you here. Saturday, it be tomorrow. And I hope that you're going to do something wonderful with your father. So I'd like to read for you something that really caught my attention. It was in a Ann Landers, you know, Ann Landers. It was in one of her columns. And this is quite a while ago, but I kept the clipping. And it was a mother who was so touched by what her son did for her his father, that she wanted to share it, and Ann Landers printed it. So here it is. Dear Dad, I wish I had some money so I could buy you a neat present for Father's Day, but I'm broke, so please let this letter be your presence. Even though you don't wear a suit and tie to work like Tommy's dad, I wouldn't trade you for anything. Tommy's dad brings work from home, uh, brings work home from his office every night, and even on weekends, they never go to the zoo or play ball in the park or go fishing off the pier. I like the way you talk with me when I'm down. You always make me see that things aren't so bad and that they will get better, which they always usually do. I like the way you don't get, let me get away with much. Sometimes I get mad at you when I don't get my way, but deep down, I'm glad that you're strict with me. I'd be scared to death if you would let me do anything I wanted to. I like that you and mom agree on the rules around home. At Tommy's house, if his mom says he can't do something, he goes and asks his dad because he knows that his dad will say, okay, just to get rid of him. And then there's a fight. Kids hate it when their moms and dads fight. I like the way that you tell me the truth about everything. When I grow up and have kids, I want to be just like you. Yours truly, your son, Jimmy. Wow. I think that says a lot, don't you? I want to be just like you. You know, if there was a way to guarantee that children would be, and this is a Pew research, mind you, five times less likely to commit suicide, 32 less likely to run away, 32 times, 20 times less likely to have behavioral disorders, nine times less likely to drop out of high school, ten times less likely to abuse chemical drugs, and nine times less likely to end up in prison. The secret is the presence of a father in the home. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who looks around our American cultural scene. Uh, biblical, the biblical understanding of the family is being assaulted on Every, every different level. And with that assault on the understanding of the Christian family p- coming from the Word of God, the understanding, appreciation of fatherhood is even being attacked greatly. As followers of Jesus, the Christian Father operates with a value system completely, I'll tell you, increasingly totally separate from our moral cultural environment Today, And what happens is the Christian father grows in the realization of not only the tremendous gift that he has been given in the gift of his family, children, and his spouse, his wife, but also of the enormity of the responsibility that he bears. Paul addresses this responsibility in Ephesians. He says this, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. With this very few simple words, Paul expresses the importance to fathers of intentional fatherhood. Not haphazard fatherhood, but intentional fatherhood. And what do I mean by that? In other words, we understand that we have to guide our children, that we have to become the motivators for them to do things or not do things, and it's imperative that we give them instruction. We don't leave it up to them to figure it all out. And let me just say parenthetically, I have heard that so many times. Well, I'm going to let my child grow up and make his or her own what? Mind on things. That's totally absurd. That's not intentional fatherhood or motherhood. That's just getting off the hook. Paul's two commands to fathers can be broken into a negative and a positive command. On the negative, he says, do not provoke your children to anger. And the the Greek word there is actually very powerful. It's actually wrath. 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 Paul basically says this, our discipline, while it is important in the life of a child, should never crush or demean their spirit. Discipline should be encouragement, not despair. That's the difference between ultimately your child learning a sense of love and joy, even in discipline, or growing in bitterness and wrath. In a book entitled, Being a Good Dad When You Didn't Have One, the Lutheran pastor, Tim Weissman, gives fathers a two-word bit of advice. And the two words, lighten up. Lighten up. Listen to this. He says that an adult laughs an average of 15 times a day while children laugh over 400 times a day. So, Pastor Weissman says, somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we fathers have lost 385 laughs a day. Wow. Wow. And that's quite a loss, says Pastor Weissman. He goes on and says, well, maybe we not only need to have the faith of a child as Jesus taught us, but we should have the funny bone of one as well. Now to the positive command. The positive command that Paul says is to bring your children up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Now what's very fascinating here is the word bring them up. The Greek word actually is a word used for nourishment For feeding. Think about that. So bring them up. Nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And what Paul means by these two words of of, of discipline, basically training them how to go, helping them figure out, like Jesus says, there's a wide road that leads to destruction and there's a narrow road that leads to life. And to teach them to understand the difference. And there's a great difference between these two roads, these two paths. And in training them to discern what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is false. And to instruct, the Greek word actually means it comes from the word noetic. It it literally is to form their mind. And Paul would speak elsewhere that to fashion within our child, our son, our daughter, our children, the mind of Jesus Christ so that they begin to think like the Lord Himself. And as I think about this, I think about my life, and I think about my ministry and watching countless families and fathers go about their business. I think, fathers, it's pretty, pretty easy at times to be tempted to have alternate agendas. I mean, other things that can subtly worm their way into the patterns, the thoughts, and even the actions that you and your family begin to do. And some of these kind of begin to replace the forming of the mind and actually are like this. Well, I want my child to grow up and succeed. I want my child to have the best opportunities for sports, and and I'll do anything that they can, they, they have to do it, and I want them to achieve success, get the right grades, and I want them to be successful and have the American dream. anything wrong with any of that? I, I, I of course, wished that for my children. I wanted that. I I wanted them to get a good education. I wanted them to get a broad spectrum of things and become well-rounded. But, brothers, if those things begin to actually become the most important thing that you and your family do for your children, I will tell you, it will come back to bite you in the end. Because if these replace what Paul says, to nourish your children in the training and in the instruction of the Lord, well, they won't take the values of the Lord. They'll take the values of this world. The Apostle reminds us that we should not embitter our children, but in fact, in the positive sense, form within them the mind of Jesus Christ. And fathers, that just simply takes an enormous investment of your time and even more important of your example to your children, the choices you make what you do, your decisions. Faithfulness as a Christian father does not depend on having all the answers properly. It even actually humbly means I don't, and I can't even rely on all my strength. Absolutely not. For my mind has to be fashioned by the very Word of God, by Jesus Christ Himself. To be a faithful father, not only has that, but even more also having a sense of wonder. Never discounting the little things that go on in family life. Those precious moments in time when you walk and talk with your children together on life's journey around the dinner table or at a sporting event or prayers at the end of the day, or being in the car. We have a terrible tendency to put a lot of stock in the big moments of life, but forget that it is in fact the daily routines in life that make us who we are. The habits and the patterns that we form in our lives as a family and for our children. I mean, to gather together weekly as a family around the Holy Eucharist, receiving the Word, the grace, the forgiveness of God and the body and blood of Jesus, will teach your children more about the importance of the Lord in their life than making sure they're involved in the Christmas program. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed with a wonderful and godly father. And even as you know my mother died a few months ago, just seeing how he dealt with that. And while he grieves the loss of my mother, his wife. What an example he has been to all of his children and to his grandchildren looking to the Lord. It's remarkable to me. And I hope and pray that you have that too. To thank your father in this Father's Day for his faithfulness, his love, and his guidance. As I stand before you, and as I have done ministry many, many years, I'm also aware that some of us have a lot of baggage with our fathers, and not good baggage. And if you're one of those, you need to forgive them, you need to learn from their mistakes rather than harbor bitterness and anger. And if there is that deposit of anger and hurt in your life from the experiences you had, well then all I can do is offer you the advice of turn it over to the Lord. Offer it up to Him and seek His healing grace. And I can speak now for myself, and maybe for fathers and even grandfathers. How many of us have and bear regrets for the choices we made as our children were being raised? And sometimes what we did, and we wish we didn't do it, or we didn't say it, and what we didn't do with that precious time That is long since past. All I can say is thank the Lord that He's here with us this very time in this very presence. That we can turn to Him just as the disciples did in the storm that raged in the Galilean Sea. And we say, Lord, help us, have mercy. And He does. He is here even when we don't realize it in our lives. My brothers, fathers, we can only give away what we ourselves have received. Our Lord came to offer us life and forgiveness. And in this Eucharist that we celebrate, He gives us everything we need. And more so, the grace of the forgiveness of the past, the grace to move forward. Christian fathers need the Lord Jesus, His forgiveness, His strength, His Spirit, to be the kind of man the Lord desires of us. The kind of man that your children would write and tell you I want to be just like you, Dad. Just like you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.